Well, another great day with the room full of people. We like it. Not as full as it could be if we weren't social distancing, but still full. I love it. Um, I wanted to share with you all some, some good news. Uh, it's, it's good news and sad news. So last week we talked about Ray and just some of the things he'd been going through. And this week about, uh, I think it was either 6 or 7.45 in the morning, uh, Ray passed away and went to be with the Lord. And, you know, I was just thinking about just, just knowing that that time was coming. And it was really just kind of a challenge um, because, because of the COVID-19 things. I couldn't go see him in the hospital. And uh, just thinking about what, how peaceful it was that there was no pressure, there was no sense of urgency that I had to get to there to see him and talk to him because he is a faithful man of God that just loves the Lord. Um, his, his future is secure. He is now worshiping with the Lord. And I know he was, uh, he was just so disappointed that he couldn't come to church. I mean, he just kept calling me every week saying, when are you going to get that church open? When are you going to get that church open? And, you know, for a lot of people, they're thinking, oh, man, you're in the high risk age category. And I, I guess uh, some of us are in higher risk than others. And he wasn't worried about COVID-19. And uh, but the Lord has taken him to taking him home. And that is just so actually exciting. I was thinking about 1 Corinthians 15. And it just says this, for this perishable, perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. For when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortal, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, O death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, what an incredible encouragement. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a day, the day that we leave this world is a day that's coming to every single one of us quicker than we think it is. And uh, I just am, was always so encouraged to just want to say this about Ray. Every single week, Ray would come to church, but before he actually got here, he'd already watched a sermon. And so he would watch a sermon on TV, and then he would come to church, and he would just share with me the things that he had already learned and was always so encouraging. Sometimes he'd leave before the service was over to get a ride back to Freedom Village, and on his way out the door, he'd look over at me and give me a thumbs up. I mean, it was just always so encouraging. So anyway, um, one of the things I'm thankful for is that we're all going to be spending time with Ray and hanging out with him, um, those of us who know the Lord. So that is exciting. So this morning, um, our title is May God Bless Fathers. And I just want to say happy Father's Day to you dads out there. Um, dads are so important. And, and, and I just, uh, Ray used to always talk so affectionately about his kids. And he was, he gave me books that they wrote and, and he was always talking to me about how they were caring for him. Just what a, what a blessing. But uh, may God bless fathers. Fathers are so important. And leadership in the home, fatherhood in the home is critical and it's, it's one of the places that Satan just aims his attack. He does not want dads to be who, he wants, who God wants them to be. And so there are all kinds of, of cultural things that get in the way of that. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't actually even understand what leadership is. And actually, leadership and fatherhood is under attack in our culture. And Satan is always trying to get people off track. 
And so you, you take a, an unbiblical view of leadership and then tear that apart instead of encouraging a biblical view of leadership. So I'm going to give you an example of uh, there's a story I heard about these three men. It's a joke in case you can't tell where we're going. There's these three men from different parts of the country and they all three get married. And the first man, he married a woman from Wisconsin. And he told her, he obviously did not understand biblical leadership, but he told her that she was to do the dishes and the house cleaning. And it took a couple of days, but on the third day he came home and he saw a clean house and dishes that were washed and put away. And wasn't that nice for that man? There was this other man, he was from Minnesota, and he, he, he had a similar conversation, but he gave his wife orders that she was to do all the cleaning, the dishes, and cooking. And the first day, he didn't see any results at all. Uh, the second day, he saw it was a little bit better, but by the third day, his house was clean, the dishes were done, and there was a huge dinner on the table. That was nice. That was very nice, nice for him. Now, the third man, he married a, a, a woman from New Jersey. And um, I married a woman from no, New Jersey. <laughs> I don't know. If, so maybe this is a story about me. Well, I hope not. The third man married a girl from New Jersey, and he ordered her to keep the house clean and the dishes washed, the lawn mowed, the laundry washed, and the hot meals on the table for every meal. And he said the first day he didn't see anything. The second day, he didn't see anything. By the third day, some of the swelling had gone down. He could see a little out of his left eye. <laughs> his arm was healed enough that he could fix himself a sandwich and load the dishwasher. So that's sometimes the world's view of leadership, of male leadership. And that is definitely not what God intends. God intends men to be um, to be uh, servant leaders, and servant leadership um, gets redefined in so many different ways, but servant leadership is when as a man you've studied scripture, you know God, you are applying that in your life, and you are exercising leadership in your family, guidance, direction, encouragement toward godliness. It's not sitting on the couch and saying, bring me something to drink. It's caring for and serving other people, but it's also not sitting passively and watching things spin out of control from a spiritual perspective. You know, fatherhood is important. Did you know that 90% of homeless and runaway youth grew up in a fatherless home? 71% of high school dropouts grew up in a fatherless home. 63% of suicides people who grew up in a fatherless home. The, the 2017 uh, Census Bureau says that children who are living without a biological father, a stepfather, or an adoptive father. This is one of the things I think is amazing. You know, we even looking at what was shared, some people sharing memories, when their dad wasn't all that he should have been and, and maybe was a negative influence in their, in their life, God supplied another faithful man to love and care for them. And so all kinds of homes that aren't perfect, but that men have stepped into to be leaders. It says this, that, that people without a father in the home are four times at greater risk of being in poverty. They're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. And 
it increases the risk of crime, going to prison, and as we've seen before, dropping out of high school. Um, dads and a stable leadership in the home is critical. And, and I think in the church, it's, um, it's kind of a sad thing when leadership positions in the church and, and people who are teaching Sunday school, you walk into a church and, and basically everybody putting everything together and running everything is, is, is a woman. Where are the men to stand up and to see spiritual priorities and say, no, I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be an influence. A, a man to walk into a Sunday school class and say, I'm going to teach kids in this church. And a lot of times the people that are spiritually driven, I think even when you think about uh, how many people go to church on Father's Day versus how many people to go, that go to church on Mother's Day? Mother's Day is one of the highest attended Sundays. Why? Uh, people say, Mom, what do you want to do? I want to go to church. And sometimes for dads, it's like, Dad, what do you want to do? Hey, let's go to a football game. Let's go to the park. Let's go somewhere else. The spiritually driving influence in a home should be the dad. And uh, when I think about my dad, I grew up in a house, and my dad was not a Christian. And so as far as having that, that spiritually driving influence in my home, it wasn't my dad. It was my mom. And I am so thankful that the Lord put that godly influence in my life. But how much better would it have been if I had a dad that was spiritually leading my home and a mom that was coming alongside and encouraging and helping, that is God's purpose for a home. So when I think about my dad, he was there for me when I was, uh, even though he wasn't the perfect spiritual leader, there were a lot of things wrong in my house. My dad still, God still gave me a great father. Um, I was so scared of the dark when I was a little kid. I watched this Dracula movie when I was nine, and it just made me scared of the dark. Uh, when I was running down the hallway, I would just try to control myself, just take off running past those dark bedroom doors. Uh, my dad was never afraid of anything. And whenever he was around, I wasn't afraid. My dad loved kids. He changed diapers. He washed dishes. My dad was the best kitchen cleaner in our house. That's no criticism of my mom, but my dad washed the dishes, and he taught us to his kids to do work, that there was, that there was he would do anything. Um, my dad was not chauvinistic or racist, but it was interesting because um, growing up, my dad grew up, and he told me about um, his Japanese friend, that their whole family was taken and put, put into those Japanese internment camps. And, uh, and, and just all those things, my dad grew up in the 60s during all the racial tension in our country and to grow up in a house with a dad that was not racist, that was not chauvinistic. He taught me to work on cars and he taught my sisters to work on cars. I mean, he treated us all the same and encouraged us to be the people that, that, that we should be. Um, there was never a time that he said no to playing catch or rubbing my back. And I, I didn't appreciate that as much then as I do now when my kids have come out at the end of a really long day and I'm tired and said, Dad, will you play catch? Can we go play racquetball? Can we go do this? And I'm just thinking, please, I don't want to get off the couch. And then I just think, man, my dad must have loved me a lot. You know, um, Dad gave me the exact father that I needed. And there were a lot of things that I didn't learn in my home but that God used other men in the church to teach me things that I, that I didn't learn 
absences that were there in my family. And you know what? That is what the church is supposed to be. For many of us, we weren't the perfect dads and we weren't raised in homes with perfect dads. That's because there are no perfect dads. And all of our dads were good and bad at different things. But the church is where we're able to say, okay, what my dad do well, I want to I do that. What did my dad do poorly? I want to use that as, a, as an inspiration and a motivation to be different. You know, ultimately, the thing that I'm thankful for is that no matter what you're missing in your father, um, I love what the Bible says about who God is in our life. Uh, these, two, these two verses are just amazing. Psalm 68.5 says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And that is just picturing God in heaven, in his holy habitation, this place where he lives, where he's righteous and he's holy and he's powerful and he's watching over the earth and he is taking care of people. He is being a father to people who don't have fathers. Psalm 146, 9 says, The Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. What a powerful and encouraging thing that God is there to care for us and, and to be our heavenly father. So this morning we're going to be considering uh, three things. And I just want to say that if you're a dad, you sh I, I hope that you are inspired by scripture. Um, one of the things I love is when I go to church and, and I see what God is calling me to, and when I hear a sermon or I read the Bible and I realize, you know, I'm not everything I should be. That is, that is my, my favorite Sunday where I see some areas in my life that I need to work on and grow and change. That's inspiring and encouraging. So if you're a dad and you, as we read the passage this morning, you should feel inadequate. That would be normal. If you don't, then that's probably a problem. But you should feel inadequate, and that's awesome, because then we see what God wants, and we can pray for his help, and we can strive toward what God wants from us. If you have a dad this morning, I hope you are thankful for the way that God used your father in your life. So I hope that you're thankful for that. I hope you appreciate your dad. And if you know a dad... You know, I, I hope that this morning you will be praying for that dad. You know, I've heard of people sometimes who really want to be dads, and for whatever reason, they can't have kids. And I just think, you know, that's the thing about the body of Christ. On Mother's Day and on Father's Day, there, there's a lot of times there's pain and sorrow that goes along with that because we wanted to be dads, and maybe we can't be dads, or, or our dad wasn't all that we, that, that we wished that he would have been. But you know, church on Sunday, when we show up on Mother's Day and Father's Day and there are those painful, sorrowful things in our life, we don't sit around and whine and moan and those kinds of things and, and become self-centered and, and self-focused. We sit and we go, you know what? I can't be a father, and even though I wish I could be a dad, you want to know something? I see these other dads out there, and I'm happy for them, and I'm thankful for them, and I'm going to pray for them that God will bless them. And so we pray for the dads that we know. We're excited about what God is doing, and we trust God's hand and God's work in our life. And so there's three priorities that we're going to see today, and I think that these are important. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 6-4, and so um, we're going to be skimming through that. So if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5. But there's three things that we're going to see. Number one, we need to value fatherhood. It's important. We need to value it. 
Secondly, we need to prioritize spiritual things. And so dads need to value fatherhood. Everybody else needs to value fatherhood. And we all need to prioritize spiritual things in what we're doing. And thirdly, we need to strengthen leadership. If you're a dad, you need to work on strengthening your spiritual leadership in your life. And if you have a dad or you're around a dad, you need to pray for and encourage people that have a very important, very challenging job. And so let's look at this. Let's start by going to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And I want to read this. We're going to look at the first element. We need to value fatherhood. We need to appreciate the importance of fatherhood. Here's, let's just look at this, Ephesians 5.15. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So this passage on considering carefully how you live, recognizing the significance and the fact that our days are evil, that, that, that creates this intensity and this urgency. That comes in the context of family relationships. The Apostle Paul is about to talk about marriage, which is what is supposed to happen before fatherhood happens. We get married and then we have kids and we bring them into a home with a mom and a dad that love them and that are guiding them and encouraging them to walk with the Lord. And this whole thing about being wise and thinking about the evilness of our culture and society, that's, that's a challenge and an encouragement that comes in the context of a family relationship. And so we're encouraged, and, and I love what it says here, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Can anybody turn on the news and see that we have a challenging, struggling culture? And, and, and there are all kinds of suggestions and all kinds of ideas about what should be done. You want to know what's wrong with our culture and how we ended up where we are? It's the breakdown of the family. It's moms and dads that don't worship God together and raise their kids to love and honor the Lord. That is what results in the culture that we have. The struggles and, try and, tr and challenges that we have come from broken families. Families that aren't functioning properly. And so the solution to our problems is actually for us to start and just say, you know what? I can't change every family in the world, but I could change my family. I can't reach every family in the world, but I can reach the families that God puts around me. And that's one of the things our church needs to focus on and prioritize, is to be an encouragement and a help to people as they lead their families. It's interesting here, it says, Therefore don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. You ever thought about this? If you don't know God's word, you're a fool. Because God's put it in his word. If you don't know what God's will is, you just read the Bible. You know what God wants. And I think in some ways, you know, it's challenging to be a father and to figure out how to raise our kids. But we're not confused about what matters. 
we can understand Scripture and say, this is what God says I need to focus on. This is what I need to be driving toward and orienting my, my family to. Sometimes it's a challenge to figure out how to do it, but we know where we're going if we read the Bible. And anybody who doesn't know where they're going, the Bible says is a fool. So um, there's this urgency. Let's look at uh, the second thing. You know, the, the greatest uh, resource that a Christian dad has is the Holy Spirit. That's the second thing you see in this. These days are important, and we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, a father is a picture of Christ. One of the reasons that fatherhood is so significant. Um, think about how often um, the Bible refers to God as our heavenly father. And you think about your role as a dad and you realize that as your kids grow up and read scripture over and over, they're going to hear your heavenly father, your heavenly father, your heavenly father. So in a sense, your kids... Every time the Bible talks about God, you are going to come to mind. And the question you have to ask yourself, one of the reasons this is so important, is that who you are should express who God is. You know, 17 times in the Sermon on the Mount, we just went through that, Matthew 5 through 7, 17 times God is referred to as our Heavenly Father. And so just think about that. Like as dads, when our kids think about God, do they think accurately because of what they know of us? Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, talking about marriage. Listen to this. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Like, think about that. God's challenging wives to submit to their husbands, and, and he says, Submit to your husbands the way you submit to the Lord. Man, what a high standard of submission. That's, that's an incredible statement. And then it goes on and it says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And then, listen to this. This is, this is kind of crazy when you think about how this is phrased. Now, as the church submits to Christ... So how does the church submit to Christ? Um, whatever Jesus says, we do, right? <laughs> I mean, we follow Jesus, right? And this is what it says. Now as, the church, now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Um, those are a few words that are given to women. There's a lot more words in this chapter written to men. But do you see that a man is supposed to reflect Christ's character? Now, that, that is a very high standard. Now, here's the challenging thing, is there's no qualification things in here. Like if, uh, you know, when, when you get married, that's one of, the, one of the things that Michelle's always told our girls, you better choose carefully when you're deciding to get married. Because look what the Bible says about how you're supposed to relate to your spouse. So if you marry a knucklehead... You are in trouble because God calls you to do this, and it doesn't say as long as husbands are who they're supposed to be. So when we're choosing who we marry, we're choosing the dad of our kids, and that's why we only marry in the Lord, and we only marry people who have a track record of faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. Because when we sign up for marriage as Christians, it's a significant thing. But then it goes on, and it gives this command to men. Look at this. 
It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives the way Christ loved the church. That's not sitting on the couch and saying, bring me something to drink. That's spiritual leadership and servanthood and caring for someone. That's what we're called to. You know, love is an incredibly powerful tool. I just want to read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Um, the world has this bizarre view of what love is. Uh, people fall in and out of love. Have you ever heard somebody's getting divorced because they're just not in love anymore? Uh, they've fallen out of love with this person and they fell into love with somebody else. Did you know that how you feel has zero to do with whether or not you stay married after you get married? It doesn't matter if you fall out of love with your wife. If you fall out of love with your wife, you figure out how to fall back in love. Like, that's not one of those optional things. When I read 1 Corinthians 13, it doesn't describe love as this thing that kind of is coming and fleeting and, and just kind of one day it's there and the next day it's gone and, and it's exciting while it's new and then it gets old. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. So a lot of people feel like, oh man, the husband's the head of the wife. He just gets to call all the shots and tell everybody what to do and everybody just follows him. and just does whatever he wants. He gets everything he wants and nobody else gets anything they want. You know, love doesn't insist on its own. But love is willing to take hard stands and say, no, this is what we're doing as a family. Like for a dad to say, you know, um, we're going to church. And it's not that you insist on your own. You don't say, no, we're going to watch the TV show I want to watch. No, we're going to do the thing I want to do. No, we're going to buy what I want. But a man does need to be willing to stand up and be a leader and say, no, on Sunday we go to church. And when somebody says, well, I don't like church. Well, you live in my house. We're going to church. Well, I don't, I don't like the Bible. It's, I'd rather watch cartoons. Doesn't matter. This is what we're doing today. Providing spiritual guidance and leadership. That's what God expects from dads to be spiritual leaders it goes on and it says it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth it bears all things that's when you feel like you're not loved you're not cared about people aren't treating you the way you're supposed to be treated love bears all things it believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. See, godly fathers are supposed to be completely committed to their families. And they love people. They're filled with the Spirit. They're praying for their spiritual well-being. They're working really hard to see the spiritual growth and well-being of their family. So, fatherhood's important. And we need to appreciate its difficulty. It's significant, it's important, but it is hard because dads are sinners just like everybody else. We live in uh, evil days where leadership is attacked, an attitude of entitlement is encouraged, an attitude of rebellion is encouraged. 
That's a, that's a kind of culture that we live in. It's hard to be a dad. Manhood is attacked. Men being strong leaders, that is attacked and labeled as chauvinistic. And, and we, have a, we have many men today that are just passive. And, and they sit and they, they just they abdicate their leadership position in their home. It's hard. You know, one of the statistics is that if you grew up in a fatherless home, that you are likely to then have to be a fatherless and or, or an absent dad. You know, we need, when you think about dads that grew up in a, in a tough environment that didn't have a, a father to be an example and an encouragement and a role model, man, we need to pray for those men and be thankful for them to st- when they stand up and exercise leadership and, and change the tide that, that they've grown up with. Let's read Ephesians 5.25. Here's the next thing that we see here is that we need to... We need to prioritize spiritual things in leadership. Um, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. You know, that's what, that's what Jesus does for the church. He presents her spotless. That's the goal of a, of, a, of a father in his wife's life, is to encourage her spiritual growth, to teach her God's word, to encourage her to be growing spiritually. Now, I just want to ask you, is that the general tone of homes that you know of? In many cases, isn't it the mom that is the driving spiritual force in a family? And by the way, um, the encouragement of men to be leaders is in no way negative toward women and mom being leaders. And when Paul was talking to Timothy, he said, I think about the, the faith that first dwelled in your mother and in your grandmother. We don't walk around saying to ladies, stop being a spiritual, positive spiritual influence. Stop being a positive spiritual influence. That's not our message. Everybody should be giving everything to being a positive spiritual encouragement. But it's to say to men, God, you are responsible for the spiritual direction of your home. And so we need to be pursuing that. Um, look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Um, in the responsibility of fathers to their kids... It says this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, dads are to raise their kids in discipline and instruction. The word for discipline is this all-encompassing word about training of children and instruction. That's specific instruction and education. And I just say that that starts actually with your personal relationship with Christ. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so the the starting place for dads to be who God wants them to be is that they personally love God with all of their heart. And then it goes on in Deuteronomy and it says, And these words that I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. 
And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. We teach our kids what's in our heart. And that's the thing is that we need to be people that are driven to and by Scripture. Uh, The third thing that we're going to see is that we need to strengthen leadership. We need to strengthen and encourage leadership. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33 says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, when you look at that, um, fathers, the leaders are given an instruction, and Wives are given an instruction, and we're going to see that kids are also given an instruction. We each have to do what God tells us to do, and it's not conditional. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. It says this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. You know, I think that this is an interesting thing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That communicates a few things. Paul's writing to the church. And have you thought about this? He writes to children. You want to know what that means? If he's writing to children, that means children are in church. You know, a lot of times we just think, oh, children's for Sunday school. No, they they brought the children into church. We have some kids here today. So he's writing to children. God is specifically instructing children. You know, children are told, obey, it says here, obey your parents in the Lord. Kids are supposed to obey God because God is telling them to do it. They should have a heart for the Lord. And so uh, children are told to obey their parents. But there's another thing. Whose job is it to teach the kids to obey their parents? Well, it's their dad, (laughs) then their mom. Their parents are supposed to teach them to obey And there's blessings that go along with that. You know, um, when we fulfill the responsibilities, the things that God has called us to, it makes it easier for those who are leading us. Like as kids, when you honor and appreciate and love your dad, that is an encouragement and a a blessing. When, when, When a man is supposed to be leading his home and he's falling short, when a wife comes along and encourages and, and supports leadership even when he's falling short. You know, the Bible never says um, obey if it's easy. Obey if, if the other person's always doing what they're supposed to do. I think this is interesting, Ephesians 5.33. It says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Um, the, it doesn't say husbands, make sure you're respectable. I mean, husbands should make sure they're respectable. That's not actually the command. It's to wives to say, see to it that you respect your husband. And and so husbands are supposed to love their wives even if they don't respect them. And wives are supposed to respect their husbands even if if they're not worthy of it. You know, there's a book called Love and Respect. And it's a pretty good book and it has some good things in it. But this is what it says. It says that men need to be respected or they can't function and love the way they're supposed to love. And it says that wives need to be loved or they can't love the way they're supposed, or they can't respect the way they're supposed to respect. Now, I just want to say, look, if you are loved, if you're loved, it's easier to show respect. And if you're respected, it's easier to show love. So from that perspective, that's true. But you want to know that that's actually wrong? 
to say that men can't love if they're not respected and women can't respect if they're not loved, that's actually wrong. See, that whole argument is based on if God is commanding women to respect their husbands, it must be because husbands need respect. And if God is commanding husbands to love their wives, it must be because women need love. Well, you know, there are some other commands in Scripture, too, uh, like consider other people as more important than yourselves. So can we say I need to always be considered more important than anyone else? Like if you think about that and reverse that, if, it's, if people are commanded that they, should res- that they should put my needs first, then I need that to function. And the truth is that we each have a need to obey what God says. And so it's, it's important for us to encourage and support leadership. First um, Thessalonians 5.12 says this. It says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are, have charge over you in the Lord and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. We should esteem and love the leaders that God gives us. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know, those are just spiritual truths that are important in the home. They're important in church. They're important everywhere. We should honor and encourage the people who guide us and give us instruction. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for the godly men that you have put in this church. Lord, I thank you for our dads and the blessing that they were. And Lord, as we think about it, our dads fell short in many ways. Lord, all of us have fallen short as dads, and we're just so thankful that you are there to make up for the lack in those areas. And Lord, I just thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed on us and just ask that you would help us to be good dads that are spiritually driven and motivated. In your name, amen.